for. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, we had a bigger crowd this morning at the earlier service. I told them to not let them fool me that I knew that they were there at 8.30 because they knew that there was another service afterwards so my sermon wouldn't be running that long. So uh, we're thankful that you're here. I did uh, hear about an individual that had washed his hands so many times now that the answers to his seventh grade tests were starting to show up. So continue to laugh at my jokes. Got one last night, uh, a man that was happy. Uh, he was really liking this social distancing. He wished that his wife would stop trying to come in the house. So, I mean, I think we've got to appreciate those that try to make us laugh. I know it's a serious time. People uh, have a lot of apprehension. And so it's just a time that we, you know, we can laugh, but we also need to realize it's a serious matter, but we have something that others may not have. And so this morning, what did I do with my clicker? There it is. This morning I want to talk about some of those things. And I'm going to say a few things over and over and over and over and over because I don't want us to forget it. Fear is something that is very powerful. It's a very powerful emotion. It can cause people to be paralyzed. It can cause people to withdraw themselves. A lot of things fear can do. And as, individual, as individuals, we face a lot of different fears depending upon our individual circumstances. Some individuals fear for their family. They are concerned about their children, concerned about what may happen to them as they grow old, get older and move out of the house and things of that nature. Nowadays, we hear of parents or children that are worried about or fearful of their parents that they may get whatever's going around. We realize that there are individuals that, are, that fear for their health. And there are individuals that fear that there may be an economic collapse and they may lose their income. And then there's a fear of persecution. What will those do? people do to those that are faithful and trust in God? And we realize that in some parts of the world, people are already persecuted for their faith in God. And we realize that there's others that have a fear of what others may do. And I think that it's quite possible that we have all experienced fear in our life, but I think that lately we may have fear of all of these things. For our health, our family, our income, and even persecution. And it's very easy for our fear to turn into panic. And we have seen fear turn into panic in our nation. People who are afraid have allowed that strong emotion to turn into panic. If you've gone to the store lately, I was at Myers not too long ago, and it looked like the apocalypse had happened. Shelves were empty, no soup, couldn't find it. Well, they did have some tomato which I thought, well, I can agree with that. Who would want to eat that in a crisis? But that's what they had left. They went to the meat department and the only thing that they had on the day that I was there was corned beef. They brought out some ground beef. 
And it was like the buzzards were just swarmed in on top of it and it was gone before you knew it. Milk was gone. They had some eggs. But they didn't have the selection that they normally had. Bread, gone. Who would have thought just a little while ago that people would be fighting, literally fighting, having to have the police called because they were fighting over toilet paper or hand sanitizer or soap. People have allowed their fear to take control of themselves and it's turned to panic. As a nation, I think that we can see our nation is in a panic mode. We're not afraid of being bombed by some other country. We're not afraid of terrorists at this time. We're afraid of something that we cannot see. A virus. The question on everyone's mind is, how is this going to end? What's going to happen? And I'm like you, I don't have the answers to that. To those questions. Only God has the answers to those questions. But listen, brethren, there are some things that we can be certain of. There are many unknown answers to these problems. There are more questions than there are answers. They've started putting doctors on television programs and on the news programs to answer questions that people have. And sometimes you can tell that they really don't know the answer or they will even admit they don't know the answer to the question. As I said, many of us are experiencing fears of what is we mentioned earlier about all our health and our well-being and our families and our jobs. Why? Because none of us have faced what we're facing now. There are so many unknowns about this crisis. Our world has changed in just a few days. Keep that in mind. Just a few days. If I would have said... What has taken place was going to happen at the. If I said this in January that all of this was going to happen, you'd have thought I was crazy. Why? Because the stock market was going crazy. Now it's going up and down. More losses than there are gains. People are now working at home if they're working at all in just a few days. Think about all of those things. And there are so many uncertainties that people have in their lives. And so much that is unknown about this situation and what is going to happen. But brethren, there are some things that we do know. And that we can be certain of and absolutely assured of. Because they come from God's Word. And God's Word is truth. Three things I want to bring to our mind, I want us to concentrate on today. Three things that I'm going to mention. One of them I'm going to say over and over and over and over again because I realize that many times I stand up here and preach and people forget what I said before they get to their car. So I'm going to say it over and over and over because I want us to remember this throughout this crisis and throughout our lives. And maybe if I say it enough, 
it'll get so stuck in your head that when you lay your pillow, your head on your pillow tonight and you go to sleep, you'll dream about what I've said. And you'll wake up and that'll be the first thought on your mind. And that is one of the first things I want us to realize is that God is with us. No matter what happens, no matter what we have to face, God is with us. Now, how do I know that? Because Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 tells me that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Reading the whole verse, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, problems come our ways. Difficulties come our ways. Pandemics may come our ways. But the fact of the matter is, God will not forsake us. And that's what we need to remember. God is with us. When we're struggling, and we're in the middle of a crisis, when we're in the middle of a problem, God doesn't say, call me later. God doesn't say, tell me about what happened, how it turned out. He's walking with us whatever struggle we may have. God is with us. There may be a ton of questions about how is this going to turn out. I don't know. How many people are going to get sick? I don't know. Am I going to get sick? I don't know. How many people may not live? I don't know. Am I going to have a job? I don't know. But one thing I do know, and that is God is with me. How do I know that God is with me? How do I know that God is with us? If you have your Bible, turn over to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Paul asks a very important question. Simple question, but it's an important question. A question that maybe you should underline as you look at it in your Bible. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Paul asked the question, Who shall separate us from the love of God? And I want you to think about that question for a moment. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What would have to happen in order to have our Lord separate Himself from the love that He has for His people? We know the Bible tells us, Jesus said, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we know how much God loves us. So what would have to happen for God to stop loving us? You know, in our Wednesday night study, we've seen the Old Testament and we've seen that God became upset with a lot of nations. He became upset with His own people. But deep down as we study that, we can still see that even when God punished His people, sent them away into captivity, you can see, still see His concern and His love for them. Think about that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul lists seven things in that verse. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness 
or peril. Some translations say danger or sword. Seven things. Think about famine, all the problems that that would cause. Think about nakedness. and Think about the, the stress and all those things that he's mentioned there. Seven things that he's talking about. Are those things capable of separating Christ's love for us from us? Now, sometimes we allow our love for Christ to stop and our love for God to stop, but God and Christ continue to love us and will continue to love us. None of those things will cause God or our Lord to stop loving us, and none of those things will cause Him to forsake us. But Paul's not done. Look down at verse 38. Look what it says. Verse 38, he says, For I am persuaded. Now, if you look at some other translations, they say, I am sure. Paul's persuaded. He's sure. He's positive. He knows that God is with us. He knows that Christ is with us. That they love us and that they're concerned about us. And he says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul lists ten things. And he says, I'm sure that those ten things will not and cannot cause God to separate Himself from His people. He is sure that all ten of those, even if you combine them all, would not cause God to stop loving His children. Are we one of His children? Think about our relationship as moms and dads with our children. We love them no matter what. And I've seen some, some children that have turned out pretty bad, done a lot of awful things, but mom is still there, dad's still there most of the time because they love them. And God's much greater than any human mother or father. He loves us and He cares for us. So remember, no matter what happens, our God is with us. Does that mean bad things aren't going to happen? <laughs> nope. Does that mean I'm not going to get sick? Nope. Does that mean my friends, my brothers and sisters of Christ, they're not going to get sick? No. Does that mean that none of us are going to die? No. What it does mean that if I do get sick, that God is going to walk with me. That no matter what happens in this life, God is walking with me. He's with me. And I'm with Him. And I'm not going to lie in a hospital room by myself. I'm not going to have to walk this road alone because God is with me. The problem is sometimes that in this life what happens causes us to fear. And our fear causes us to panic. And our panic causes us to forget that our God is with us. 
Sometimes it is fear and panic, or in fear and panic, we take our eyes off the Lord and we start to focus on all the things that are happening around us. We take our eyes off of God and we start to focus on what's happening out there in the world. What we hear on the news, what the media tells us, what politicians say, and what our friends may say to us. And we take our eyes off of God. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord and focus on Him. Do what we can do. You know, like washing our hands and things of that nature. Doing what we're doing here all spread out. But remember, we're not alone. God is with us. Turn with me over to Matthew, the 24th chapter. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 22 through 23, we find on that occasion that Jesus had taken his disciples and put them on a boat to send them over to the other side. That Jesus had gone up into the mountain to pray, and finally he was left alone and he was able to do that. But the disciples were out on a boat in the water. Do I have the wrong chapter up there? I said the wrong one. Matthew 14. We'll get there right. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. But think about this. He put his disciples on a boat, sends them across, there's a storm starts to brew, and Jesus starts to come out to them. It's about the fourth watch. And so when he starts to walk out there, they look out there, they're being tossed around by the wind and the waves, and they see this walking across, and they're afraid. And the Bible says that they cried out in fear. And then they recognized that it was Jesus. And what does Jesus say? I want you to notice what He says in verse 27. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Now the storm is brewing and they're being rocked around and they're afraid. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Brother, one lesson that we can learn from this is that when the Lord is with us, we do not need to be afraid. Even in the storms of life, When the Lord is there, we do not need to be afraid. Brother, we're in a storm. The storm's real. The wind may not be blowing and the waves might not be rocking us, but the storm that we're in is real. And the fact is that it may get worse, a whole lot worse, before it gets better. But the Lord is saying, you don't need to be afraid. Don't be like the world. Don't be like everybody out there. Remember, our God is with us. I've always liked Peter. I can relate to Peter. Sometimes he opens his mouth and inserts foot. I've done that on occasion or two. Sometimes we talk about Peter and we see that 
He boldly says what He's going to do and then eventually He doesn't do it. And how many of us have been like Peter where we are bold, oh, this is what I will do. I would never do that. But then we end up doing exactly what we said we wouldn't do. But on this particular occasion, I want you to notice what it says in verse 28. It says in verse 28, Peter said, Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come unto Thee on the water. I went to this story because I wanted us to realize that another event or another point that I'm going to make in a moment. But I want us to also realize something else that I noticed. I really hadn't noticed before. Because sometimes we read these these events, these passages of Scripture, we just kind of skim through them. Where Peter says, Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come unto Thee on the water. But there's two words that I want us to think about there. One, Peter said, Lord. Lord. What does Lord mean? It means ruler, master. Jesus is Lord of lords, King of kings. And so, He is Lord. There is, there is no doubt about that. Jesus is Lord. And Peter says, Lord. And the very next word is if. If He is the Lord, bid me come unto Thee on the water. I notice that because I think that we're like Peter here. You see faith and you see doubt in the same sentence, at the same time, in the same mind, and in the same heart at the same time. And how many times have we had faith? Yes, but we also have a little bit of doubt. God, You're going to be with us. Are You really going to be with us? Peter says, Lord, if it be Thou, if it's really You, bid me come. And Jesus said in verse 29, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. I don't know if anyone else has walked on water. But Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. And then notice what it says in verse 30. And that's what I went to the event or to the story for to begin with. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he began and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. When he saw the wind and the waves, Peter was afraid. Why? Because he took his eyes off the Lord and focused on the things happening around him. When we take our focus off of the Lord, we begin to sink also. As I said in the earlier hour, I want us to realize that it is going to be a challenge for all of us to be faithful to God. Now, there may be times that people say things where you can see that they're starting to doubt, and I want you to remind them every day. And when you see someone struggling, 
with their faith. Remind them that the Lord will be with us. He is with us. God is with us. Remind them of that. Remind yourself of it every day. We're not in this alone. Say it over and over. God is with me. Listen to what those who know what they're talking about concerning this matter. Like I said, wash your hands, keep your distance, do the things that we can do. But keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your focus on Him. You say over and over, My God is with me. My God is with us. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? For thou art with me. He didn't have to be afraid. Because his shepherd, his Lord, was with him. We're not alone. God is with us. The second point I want to make is the devil is active in all of this. I didn't point this out in the last hour, but I don't have devil capitalized up there because I didn't want to give him any respect. So that's on purpose on that PowerPoint slide. But the devil is active in all this and the devil loves chaos and he loves fear and he loves us to doubt our God. And he is going to try everything possible to destroy us as Christians and to destroy our faith that we have in our Lord. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And brethren, he is alive and well today, and he's doing all that he can to separate us from each other. We realize that we're apart for a reason. But he wants us to stay apart. He wants people to stay home. He wants people to stop following him. And He's going to work on each one of us to try to get us to turn on each other if we're not careful. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil thrives upon fear and panic. He thrives upon dissension. The devil does not want this to get better. He wants us to doubt our God. He wants, to think that our, wants us to think that our God has forsaken us. I don't know if you've heard them, but I've already heard the doubters and the deniers of God question our faith. I've heard them already asking the question, where's God? Where's the Almighty God that you guys are talking about? Why do you guys believe in prayer? Have you heard any of those things? I have. I seen an article last night as I was uh, looking on, on my phone. I saw an article uh, that was asking the question, where is God in all of this? It's from a news agency. And I thought, well, I want to read that because I want to see what they're going to say because I'm sure they're going to say something. And I was surprised that they did say something good. Where are? Where is our God? He's alive in Christians today was basically the answer. 
Because in all the other pandemics, it was the Christians who stayed behind and helped people. It was the Christians that risked their lives in many cases to save people and to do what they could do to help those that were suffering whatever the sickness or pandemic was. But when you read the comments that people made afterwards, it was very negative. What's God doing for you? How's that prayer thing working for you all? Why do you think prayer is going to work? So what do you say? What do you say when people want to know, where's God? Why isn't He doing something? You know, if He's a loving God, why doesn't He stop all of this? How do you answer that? My answer is simple. How do you know He's not doing something? How do you know He hasn't already done something? Because guess what? We're all still here, aren't we? We're all still standing. And I'll put my trust in Him before I'll put my trust in others. David said, I will fear no evil. And people will blame God. All designed to cause doubt. Trust me, the devil is looking for a toehold in the door, in your door and in my door of our hearts. If things keep going the way that they're going, our faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll take our eyes off of our God and start to concentrate on all the other stuff around us that's happening. And we'll begin to sink. That's why it's so important that we be sober and that we be vigilant so we do not get devoured. James chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage me to search our hearts, search our souls, strive to the best of our ability to live a righteous life and pray to God Almighty. How's it all going to turn out? I don't know. But this I do know. That God is with us. A third point is this. This too shall pass. I'll look for a verse of Scripture that said that because I've always heard, you know, that was in the Bible. There is no passage of Scripture that says that. So there's no Scripture that says this too shall pass. But I've learned from Scripture that this too shall pass. We read in the Bible about floods and famines, pestilence, persecution, distress, all kinds of things that have taken place, and all those things pass. Look at the book of Job. 
Look at what his life, look at what he said in his life. In Job chapter 14 and verse 1, when he said, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of troubles. Now we have a little insight. We know what happened behind the scenes. At the time that it was happening, Job did not know. But we know that there was a conversation between Satan and God. And God asked, Have you considered my servant Job? And I think what a great compliment that God said, My servant. He recognized Job for his righteous life. And the Bible tells us that the devil had came to God and God asked where had he been. God knew where he had been, but the devil said he had been going to and fro through the earth. Brethren, the devil's still going to and fro through the earth. And he's looking for people to devour. He's looking for souls that can be lost. He wants them to stay lost. And he wants to help people to be lost. But I learned from Job that when it got to the end, that life did pick up and that life was better because he had God. So while the world is panicking around us, how are we going to react? Are you and I going to react to all of these things? How's it going to how's it going to affect us spiritually? How am I going to allow all the circumstances and situations that are affecting us today? How am I going to allow that to to affect my soul and my spirit, my heart and my love for the Lord? This is not a time for Christians to freak out. It's not a time for us to go out and act like everybody else in the world. This is a time to let people see that our help, our comfort, our peace, our strength comes from the Lord. This is a time for us to let our light shine We may have opportunities that we did not have before, but let them see our love for the Lord. I encourage every one of us to pray. What do we pray for? Well, in our earlier service, Mike prayed, and I thought he did a fantastic job. But he mentioned uh, doctors and nurses and things of that nature. We need to pray for health care professionals who are out there on the front lines risking their lives. We need to pray for those that are in power, our president and governor, and those that are making laws and rules to do the right thing. And hopefully encourage them to turn back in the right direction to the Lord. Basically, we really need to pray for everybody because we're all going to need prayer. Every one of us will have an opportunity to lift up our brother and sister, to encourage one another, But I want to say, don't allow the devil to destroy us. And when you see someone start to get down, remind them that God is with us. When you see someone saying something that they shouldn't, don't encourage it. Don't be an enabler. Remind them. And I said in the earlier hour, maybe we should say what the Lord said to Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. God is with us. We need to believe that. But I want, before I close, to remind us of something else. And maybe you've noticed or haven't noticed. I want you to think about it. The NBA canceled their season. 
National Hockey League canceled theirs. Major League Baseball suspended indefinitely. March Madness canceled. Disneyland, Disney World closed. I said to my wife one day, we were out walking, and it hadn't closed yet, and I said, when Disneyland closes or Disney World closes, we'll know that there's a big problem. Went home, turned on the computer, looked on the internet, Disneyland had closed. All the schools are closed. Major universities are closed. Movie theaters closed. I would never have thought that that would ever happen. But here's what we never quite get. Here's what we never quite understand. We're not in control. How many days has it taken for our life to be turned upside down when everything was going great and rosy? We're not in control of anything. We say that all the time. But I'm not so sure we really believe it. This has demonstrated that we are not in control of anything. Do we need God? Do we need a prayer? We most certainly do. But there is one thing, one thing that we do control, and that's our choice. We can walk with God, or we can walk away from God. I want people to be able to... I know this is going on the Internet, so I want to put this part in because I don't think there's anyone here that is not a Christian. But if you're not a Christian, you can make the choice to walk with God by doing what Jesus says one must do in order to walk with Him. And He says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What do we need to believe? We need to believe that Gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verses 1-4 through 4 tells us that that Gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That He died for our sins, that He was buried in the grave, and that He arose victorious over the grave. But we need to believe that He's the Son of God. And He did that so that we could have salvation and that when we obey that Gospel, by going down into the water, that watery grave of baptism, and coming up out of that water... Our sins are washed away, and we are a new creature in Christ. Romans 6, verses 1 through 6. And then we can walk with God. I wouldn't want to walk without God. Because I see how people out in the world act sometimes when they don't have God. If you are a Christian, maybe you're not walking with Him like you should. And I would encourage you to repent, change, do what you know you're supposed to do. We realize that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We want to be in that condition, not just for this crisis, but for every day of our lives. And so if you're not living right, I would encourage you to make things right. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.